right, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Soli, and once again, another entertainment exclusive interview. We have SAG-AFTRA actress Rachel A. Bryant. Her credits include Yes Day for Netflix, In Bed with a Killer, The Campus, and the upcoming Craving, which will release sometime yes. this coming year. Yes. Thank you for having me. This is great. I'm excited. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> she has also done various web series and sketch comedy, including Sketch Bacon, Biff the Human Slayer, and The Disappearance of Madison Bishop, and has performed for Murmur and Lounge Theater, as well as toured with the Wright Citizens Brigade and the Groundlings. So, yeah. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. You looked into my resume. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> you did Don't your you due diligence. When everyone just looks at like the first five credits. Yeah. Oh, my favorite mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did your research, which I appreciate. So so yeah, I'm excited to chat to to see where this conversation goes, just to have a good afternoon. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'd seen you promoting a few various things in some of the acting groups. And you know, some of those are very great and some of those can be a little heated depending on you know who's sharing what so totally. yeah you yeah. were fortunately one of the better groups so i was like okay because <laughs> <cool. laughs> i had some people who were like hey here's my demo reel and no one says anything and then i don't know why there's been like a lot of like complaints about like the pay rate or just how the casting call is done is like just accept it or don't guys there's that's true <laughs> like if you're point. not interested in that uh, rate you don't need to necessarily talk about it and even if you did want to talk about it you could dm the person but putting somebody on blast in front of everybody else i don't know it, it seems like, like a conversation that should happen just between two people yeah don't pick on the little guy <laughs> yeah yeah for sure uh unless it's truly offensive then just say hey stop posting that in the group <laughs> Well, yeah, if there's something that, and sometimes I can smell it with like, you know, I'm a woman in this industry, uh, there's mm -hmm. things that seem predatory, and then I'll be like, okay, yeah. this is somebody that I'm not interested in ever interacting with, and thus will never interact with them. That's but most point. of the time, it's just, you know, either new filmmakers or filmmakers that are trying to do a passion project, and they're just trying to get people excited about it. There is that, absolutely. And yeah. A lot of photography groups have been pretty good at cutting down on that and saying, hey, here's the boycott list. This person yeah. didn't pay their models or, like you say, acted like a creep on set. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the boycott list. Um, yeah. So you've been doing this quite a while, especially a lot of short films and a lot of other independent stuff. Um, uh, so uh, let's let's start where it all began. What what started the acting bug? Yeah, Um I was in a play when I was in high school. I was in Anne of Green Gables. It was through my community theater in Los Altos, where I grew up. Um, nice. And I play. I didn't play Anne. I played her best friend, Diana, in the play. Sweet. And um, I just remember, like, feeling alive on that stage, getting to play with other actors. I remember feeling so invigorated by that experience. I was like, I want to do this all the time um that was what really started my my journey into being a professional actor was high school man <laughs> back in the day there you go even yeah better. yeah um i love doing stage work i really enjoy shakespeare and the theater and and that's how i fell in love with acting so i always have a special spot in my heart for that and i was just rehearsing a play over the summer we lost some of our funding, so it got mm. put on hiatus. But while I was doing that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I started this whole thing. This this energy, this onstage energy. Excellent. Uh, where, where were you raised? I was raised in the Bay Area. So are you a San Francisco person because of your background here? Uh, I have family there. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mainly just because I just love that background. As opposed yeah, to the boring, I mean, you know, Texas skyline behind me. Um, beautiful bridge, the San Francisco bridge. <laughs> yeah, yes. there it is, the Golden Gate. Um, yeah, so I grew up, my dad is um, was a, a, a tech guy. So I grew up in the Silicon Valley. Um, the techno lingual. <laughs> oh yes, I was very, I was very adept at very many technical things. I think my dad wanted me to be a computer science major, just like my brother. Um, and I was like, you know what, I want to be a star. <laughs> so I went away from the tech world and into acting. 
Okay, very nice. Oh, well, and uh, did you have a lot of good support from like just other relatives, your mother, grandparents or anything? Yeah, yeah, my, you know, my parents were all, uh, very supportive. My dad was too. Um, they they supported my desires to do theater in high school, as you saw, or as I was mentioning, it was when I first, you know, jumped mm -hmm. in. Um, and then I got a BFA from Chapman and then um, mm. uh, in theater performance specifically, and they supported that. And they are very supportive of me. I'm so grateful. I know there's uh, some actor friends of mine who don't have that support system. And being an actor is very difficult in the sense that there's a lot of money you yes. have to invest and there's a lot of time and energy that's usually coupled with a lot of that money and without a support system whether it's parents or just somebody else in your life um it can be very lonely it can be very difficult los angeles is a very expensive city as is new york but um and of course that's where the artists are right these two right. expensive cities that are filled with artists and creatives and filmmakers sure but also it's very difficult to make ends meet there yes very consuming and yeah. unless you got some other kind of support uh, mm -hmm. I, i've seen a lot of local and husband and wife's teams that will do that they'll mm -hmm. find a center for their kids and then they'll switch it out it's like okay this month you're doing the ford commercial you're doing these right right and no more can't take it or book anything else don't care if it's a good gig now you gotta you know babysit the kids and totally i'll go out scout this and come back su successful or not you know <laughs> yeah yeah uh so that's great uh who was uh like your main mentor who you mainly just said is like hey you you got the voice got the look you got to try this out because you talk about it you love it yeah you might as well be a part of it i've had a few mentors in my life um I had an acting coach when I was in high school she was the director of the the community theater uh, Molly Bell who mm. who started to uh mold like my my craft because as a young actor you don't really know like what is effective as far as storytelling until you start being directed like that's why directors exist right um right and she she helped me kind of evolve into being like, wait, I I know how to do this. I can explore this. I can dive in here. There's a safe space. It felt very safe. You can do whatever you, know? you want here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so so she was a big advocate for me as an artist. Um and then I, currently I have this, I have two wonderful women in my life that are so, so um, what's the right where they appropriately challenge me. So it's not like mm. a it's not like they have a criticism that they use. They're not, you know, uh, exactly. They're using positive reinforcement to for me to to even find safety and, and vulnerability in the work. Um, Amy Deshays is my acting um, like coach for my auditions, and then Jamie Carroll, who I was taking classes with for a long time. She's based in New York specifically, actually. So I've been that. doing Zoom classes. Yeah, yeah. Um, she is. I mean, they're both incredible women, but they just help me understand story in a different way help me dive into the personal aspects of the work because in the end being an actor is just being yourself in a certain set of circumstances it's not like trying to become somebody else you know what there i mean yeah yeah to build on that there are the that's often the first com compliment or complaint you see in it review professional or not that's talking about an actor or even a filmmaker oh they directed it they must have been in charge of it all and now <laughs> lately we've been reminding people to re-examine the film history books and re-examine hey producers are often the ones calling a shot the director's just one of the main creatives telling people what he wants whether he's inspired or not or getting too much credit that's that's all subjective and same thing with the actors you know regardless of the input regardless of how much been rehearsed uh when when did you just kind of just really just it blew your mind what was your mind blown when you just realized it's you have to come up with a character backstory even <laughs> if it's just one line of dialogue <laughs> i think that you know i understand i guess the reasoning behind that like uh because a lot of actors or at least a lot of people that want to call themselves actors think it's very 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 easy yeah and and so 
I can do it. You know, I'm not going to prep anything. I'm not going to think about where this person came from or why they're here, <laughs> which then means like it, it comes out too casual or too mm -hmm. amateurish or or it's almost flippant in the performance. Oh, um, so I think that <laughs> as part of like learning, you almost get taught to over prepare <laughs> so that you actually care about what you're doing. Whether that's effective in the long term, you know, everyone has their own um, methodology. But what's really been speaking and resonating with me in the last couple of years in my work is, is okay, this character, you know, I talked to the director, like, what are you wanting um, the audience to feel or see with this particular character? And if he says something like, or she says something like, I want them to see the naivete of this woman and mm -hmm. maybe feel themselves in their own naivete then i'm like okay well where am i naive where do i feel yeah, those, those feelings <laughs> and then i can bring in oh, okay well i'm this woman named isabel and i'm naive when this and this and this happens so it, it really is trying to bring together this imagined character and my own life and put it together for the screen very cool very cool Plus, I mean, you just hit on just kind of keeping the flow just kind of consistent. Just like keep asking these questions and just examining it, seeing if it works. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm very collaborative as an actor. I want to talk about the work with either the director or my other um, scene partners. Uh, I think it's only beneficial to talk about it. I think there's sure maybe some people don't work that way and and maybe their performances are really uh, are lit up by that but personally I like to have that collaborative component because I feel like we are all on this ride together we're all trying to make this story together <laughs> let's talk about it together right yeah that's to hit on that I see a lot of uh, people when they're doing a review of like say there's a new dvd or blu-ray containing deleted scenes they're like why do they think that worked i'm like sometimes you just had to see it for yourselves you had to waste yeah. that on a film now everything's digital so you really don't lose much except that's just true <laughs> and you know to your point like uh directors and actors get a lot of credit but really the people that are telling the story are the editors, editors like the editors <laughs> are the people that are like okay i've got all this stuff now I'm going to like trim it and cut it and rearrange it. I have a friend who does um, editing for some big movies and he was watching this old um, short I did a few years ago. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, you should, you know, he was giving us feedback and he's like, what if you put this scene that we had like second, what if that opened? The I was like, what? I hadn't, my mind hadn't even thought about rearranging the order because it had been written one way. Mm -hmm. Then we did that. We switched the order and I was like, oh my gosh, this totally makes sense. He's done enough and montages and experiments. Exactly. It's an editor. It really is a, a wonderful, when you see a wonderful movie, it's like, oh yeah, that editor had a great job. He had good footage, sure. Yeah, like, it it's not probably... like the acting was bad, but he really told that story that way too. Oh, that's just it. It might have been people. So why do you think everyone gets like the superhuman component? They're just like, oh, it was nothing. It's like, no, it was hours of heartache. <laughs> I think because we... Maybe because we love it so much, you know? Think, oh. We want it to be like this. It's it is magical, right? Even though it's just like a tourist park or a restaurant, yeah. it's like yeah. you don't want to see the morning hour crew. You know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Getting started. It, it, the fact that like movies get made at all is kind of extraordinary because, um, you know, my boyfriend talks about this this adage that he's come up with that like independent films and even like studio films they will do anything in their power to not get made. And it's a yeah. bunch of people trying to push this boulder up this hill. And if you get it done, what an extraordinary feat you did. Like that's half of the battle truly. Yeah. The other half is of course, what's compelling, what's interesting, what's good writing, what's good acting, but just getting something done is extraordinary. <laughs> it is seemingly unfathomable at times. You're like, how did yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've already glossed through how the industry is a little complex and tabloids kind of don't even remotely paint a picture of this. Um, uh, 
it's also hard to find kind of friends and family who really understand it. You'll see mm-hmm. so many, you're like, I don't really know what you do for a living. I just think it's something dumb. Oh, you're on that sitcom. Oh, mm-hmm. you're, you're in the Allstate ads. You know, you know. Uh, how do you think people can get to understand this better without it sounding cryptic or just mm. you lost me after you know the first sentence? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. I've never been posed that question. I, I really appreciate that. I just um, like to ask all type of people because, you know, yeah, communication is just so hard. And it can be done, but it's just hard to explain to some people, oh, you do this. Oh. Until you've lived in those shoes in a way you can't fully um, understand <laughs> that experience. What's camera you know? A or B? <laughs> but even even like from my perspective, I, I haven't had a nine to five desk job before. I've always right? had fun, like... Um, fun I'll put in quotes sometimes they weren't as fun but like random things like gigs I'm very much the gig economy girl um <laughs> but so like in that capacity I have a very little idea of what a nine to five desk job would be like what is that experience you know in the yeah. same token you know they probably look at me and they're like how do you do this whole acting thing all this rejected rejection like are you just playing all the People time and rejection exactly you know, like that's how you become good it is, uh, the majority of my life is learning how to hear the word no and keep moving forward. You break through the barrier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you like to explain certain kinds of this humorous aspects of this industry to people, do you think? Because like I, my sister made a apple cart joke the other day. And for those who don't know, that's just used to you know mount certain uh camera and film equipment on certain things my parents were lost my father thought <laughs> the boom mic joke was funny but <laughs> my mother's like stop you're explaining it i just let's move on i don't get it <laughs> i'm like oh, i thought it was funny <laughs> you're right you're right i think there is a point where some people just maybe won't get it and so i think that's okay <laughs> yeah you know i think in in, in you'll find your people right there i guess like to your initial question, you know, we were all kids at one point. We mm-hmm. all had moments of imagination, of play. So if you can ever recollect those times where you were like, wow, I get to just live in the moment and have a good time exploring something imagined, that's what being on uh an actor like the acting specifically is about there's a whole bunch of other stuff like administrative work connecting with people selling yourself hearing the word no and selling yourself again and hearing their word no like trying pitching there's so much pitching right but the all the crux of it is to get to that moment where you can just play bingo yeah so often Casting agents are pretty cryptic. You know, they're often just looking for something different and to see how spontaneous mm. or di- how many different takes you can do of the same line as opposed to do it again. Uh, what has been some strategies that you've utilized that you often get a little more feedback on that you notice? I think that, uh, I think what in the end casting is really just looking for authenticity. And okay. so, uh, you know, as I've as I've really leaned into that more and more in my work, um, you know, oh, that was great. Do it again and just try something different. Then having just a different authentic moment. There you go. Because nothing can ever be exactly the same as it was, you know, because it's like moment has passed. That moment is dead. Now all we have is now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so... Yeah, like sometimes you don't get a ton of feedback from casting. Sometimes you get a, t- a, a lot of very specific feedback. In the end, you know, it's just about me trying to be as honest and authentic as possible, regardless of maybe the extraneous circumstances that could be happening around me. And that actually really helps like when I'm on set, because being on set is people walking around with lights, people yelling, people in my face doing, you know, the light meter to my makeup to I'm being covered in blood. And it's the most frigid thing I've ever (laughs) dealt with, like all of those things. And and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, and go. And you have to just be ready to go. 
it, it's a little bit of like taking all that extraneous stuff that's around you and just focusing in on the moment, the other person, this, this story. I like it. it almost. And to that point, I do know that I, I once had to tell one guy who was running an indie film short, how unprofessional he was. He was just like, you don't mm. tell the filmmakers how to do their job. It, like he was basically telling the actors how to act. And it's like, well, I don't agree with Awkward. that. Like, well, there's no disagreeing with it. You can't tell them how to act. It's just not yeah. how it's done. You know, They've been hired for this job. job. Yeah. Let them do their job, you know. You micromanage your manager. I yeah. think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not the most effective way of handling that, right? <laughs> yeah, he'll say duly noted and put in your two weeks notice, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't work. But <laughs> um uh what do you also look for in a filmmaker? Like Antoine Fuqua is often liked by Melissa Leo and Denzel Washington because he likes to tease them with where they can go in their role and they're like i wonder what he's looking for i'm gonna try this and he's like mm -hmm, you went mm -hmm. beyond what i was looking for and yeah like, yeah it's in the can um but what do you look for especially with a lot of the short films you've done mostly the horror and drama kind yeah um i think it's that collaborative nature that i touched on earlier um I like directors or storytellers or writers that are, have a clear point of view. Like, what are they wanting the audience to feel or to understand at the end of the story? Right. If that seems vague or amorphous, then usually the theme, the end product will be vague or amorphous. Yes. Like, if there's not a clear point of view or or even like if it's an experiment like yeah we're just going to try improvising just to experiment for ourselves and just see what happens like i that's fine too just be clear about that at Let the beginning into your world as opposed to mm -hmm. we're just kind of goofing around <laughs> yeah let's you know what if we got a few people together and you, it was a first date okay okay so then what happens well we'll figure <laughs> it out that day well I don't, that's not really like um I, I like people with a clear point of view that feel very collaborative and excited to work with me and, and hear my thoughts on character and on, on um, story and um, that have a good sense of humor that seem just easy to work with. You know, we're going to be working together for 12 hours straight. You know, tensions are sometimes really high, but people that are just relatively easygoing and professional We'll get that done with a smile on their face, you know. Mm. That's that's important. I don't like a sourpuss person because yeah. then it, it's kind of a demoralizing workday at that point. I want mm. there to be some fun. Like, isn't this supposed to be fun? We're we're making movies, people. We're not sitting here doing brain surgery. Like, we should be having a good time. Yeah, and if it becomes a long day, that just kills the mood. Yeah. Sometimes it has to be a long day, right? Like, yeah. I get it. Like, you you're, you have to wrap out a location. We have to get the stuff done before we move to the, the next place before we load out. Great. I think we, we are all on the same page of that. But just people that are just yelling for no reason or just, uh, you know, uh, leading with anger or that, that's not supportive to a group environment, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Too much. Too much ego, maybe, potentially. <laughs> yeah so many people so where do you stand on that because it just seems like kind of like just endless stuff that no one will ever find a solution for you know uh, we're talking beyond just heated politics and where you mean like or seems to be like, just like a if their ego question. is too big yeah mm -hmm. yeah ego now it just seems like oh it's acceptable or yeah i'd probably do it too or it, it just seems like half the time people are like excusing the fact that oh yeah sorry i'm an asshole and then other times it's like well i can make it work i mean if you want to be good you got to think you're the best so why do you think it just seems to just kind of just get become a bloated conversation after a while <laughs> it's just, yeah it's gonna happen but it can be managed yeah. as opposed to you know outrageous <laughs> i guess like like people who are overtly dicks to other people i I would not, if I discovered that and on a set, I'd be like, this is someone I won't want to work with again in the future. Um, as far as like why that's happening, I think there's, I mean, this is a little bit of a uh, understandably self-important career choice because you're like, I have some things I want to tell the world. And mm -hmm. 
there, there has to be some ego driving that thought. And I think that that's healthy. I think it's good for us to want to share our stories because it's like, for me personally, the reason why I want to be an actor, why I'm an actor, why I pursued this whole thing is because when I was a kid, I was pretty lonely. I didn't have a ton of friends. I, I did a lot of imagining and playing by myself, like, you know, out in the yard. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or like, I've read a lot of books and story and movies and tv shows when i would see somebody who kind of had that similar idea of being alone that similar what i perceived as being alone i was like wow i'm not alone look at this person on the tv that is going through a similar experience and is thriving potentially or or is at least getting through it um right so so there is something very pure about my intention of uh, of being an actor. However, there is still me being like, I'm going to put myself out there. There has to be some ego behind that. Um, and I think the same thing is happening on the filmmaker side. Like you have to think that this, this point of view you're going to tell has some importance and weight in this life. However, mm-hmm. that does not excuse you being a, you know, maniac a power hungry maniac on a set because I think you can't make your movie by yourself, right? You mm-hmm. have to have people doing lights and people doing sound and makeup and actors, unless you're doing like, you know, claymation on your own yeah. with your own <laughs> lighting setup, you have to have other people. So uh, have the ego be the appropriate size, I guess, is the my response to that. <laughs> No, no, that's fine. Because this is what we look for in the organic chats, you know, and half the time it's not even the usual predictable answers, you know? Right, right. Uh, so a lot of recently, just, you know, post-COVID, uh, a lot of people were opening up how just all these hidden truths, uh, just how it's been long overdue that everyone start just having open discussion more often and even address their mental health. That's just mm-hmm. become as a result of just so much rigid of just not doing what they want you know we often thought oh it's just a middle-aged breakdown like oh it'll happen way before middle age you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially if you're mistreated or under so much pressure or just unhappy outside of your next corporate gig um uh what have been some other uh do you think it's just getting you're getting more sensitive roles at any other casting audition um I mean, I think to your first point, I think thankfully people are more open to talk about their mental health mm-hmm. in in a public uh, forum. I do think that there's still a lot of growth we have as a society of like stories of representation for underrepresented communities. You know, thankfully there has been progress on that, and right. and and I'm grateful to be you know in a time where it's not just the same people on screen all the time yeah um or the same people <laughs> behind the screen all the time for that matter saturation is dying down. totally totally so but as far as like the types of projects and if that seems to be um maybe what's more aware of like complex characters I do think that that is happening you know I haven't I for a while I was doing a lot of like dumb blonde auditioning um, and there's always a place for Dumblon. Don't get me wrong. There, there is a fun component to that, but thankfully, that has been so few and far between in the last couple of years. And I, th- I think it could be due to the fact that people are wanting just to see more layered um, characters on screen because we're starting to recognize how much more layered we are as audience members. Complexities. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. actually ready for it as opposed to, oh, that bores me, the human mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's always going to be trends like this ebb and flow, uh, and that's okay. There can totally be like spectacle, dumb entertainment, and if it's aware and the audience is aware, I think that that can be so much fun, you know, but um, and we might see a trend of that if 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 everything feels so heavy and so layered and complex right now, we might be excited and start grasping onto the fun stuff that might happen in a year or two. Right. Perhaps. So yeah. 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 We'll see it, it. There are trends that happen in storytelling. And uh, I think the pandemic really illuminated a lot of societal issues, a lot of personal issues, you know, people realizing I don't really like this job or, 
do I really like my wife or my husband? Like that came out a lot. And, (laughs) and so there was a lot of changes that happened. And in a way, like we're in a very state of flux right now as a society. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's not. And that's okay. I think we, we should be right. If anything, if you want to avoid anything becoming formulaic, just keep adding different kinds of detail as opposed to going with the same formula. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so speaking of different formulas, uh, so uh, you mentioned how you were trying to study, you know, you're fluent in a few different accents. You've studied Cockney, French, Russian, Southern, British. Um, uh, who were some of your teachers for that? Or did you have to invest some time in some actual Well, I haven't. So in a Chapman, when I got my BFA, there was an accents class, um, but it was more like um, exploring the mouth and understanding how mm. like this is an instrument, right? Gotcha. Um, Still good I, it, for sure. Yeah. I, I majored in French in college. It was, I double majored in theater and French. And so I, I haven't practiced it that much as of late. So I need to do that again, but um that that's how my French came about. Um, royal pronunciation, uh, English or British is is kind of like your standard British accent, and that's just like people um, with elevated, heightened, stylized British accent. It's not. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I I did that in high school, so that's how I kind of trained there. And then I've done tapes and and CDs where it's like here learn this language thing. So. Um, there hasn't been a specific mentor to that, but there's a lot of great resources like YouTube videos. Like if I get an audition, I just had an audition for a French character for a television show, maybe like a month ago. And I was like, okay, I know overall my French accent for da 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 da, but I hadn't ever said this particular word before in a French accent. Let me look up how I would say it, you know? And I listened to some French speakers speaking English to kind of get in my heat to kind of tune the ear to that. You know what I mean? Right. You can just play around with what others are probably going to hear yeah yeah very nice um and since you've been getting into a lot of horror and supernatural mystery movies uh and you recently worked with felisa rose um, yeah sleepaway camp have you been kind of saying hey i kind of want to try my hand at being a screen queen <laughs> well i've done so i've done a few horror films let mm-hmm. me see how many i've done let's see how many times i've died i think you're gonna have like um, two, five not including the shorts, which are about... Uh, yeah, and <laughs> so. yeah, so like Heart of the Home and Human Zoo and Death Day, which is also known as the campus. Yeah, the campus. And then Craving. <laughs> um, so I really enjoy horror. Um, and, and then, of course, like the couple of shorts that I've done, like the one that I just produced and wrote and um, starred in, it's a vampire short. And so we're going to the festival circuit starting in 2023. Um mm-hmm. So I really, what I love about horror and and I would love to be a scream queen. I think there's so much awesome, interesting work out there and so many, yeah. and there's so much elevated horror that's trying to tell a lesson or, you know, help people understand something from a new perspective. And I think it's a really effective way of, of doing that. Um, so, you know what? I'm down. Listener, I'm down to be that scream queen. <laughs> It's no different than wanting to be the next action star, the next exactly. comic, <laughs> the next. And I don't mind being covered in goo. <laughs> uh, you know, blood is is it's uncomfortable. Granted, at times it's very very cold, and I'm a, I already run cold. I'm like a turtle. Um, yeah. So then put blood on top of me, and I'm just like shivering the whole time. But at the same time, you know, I was talking about that sense of play, that fun imagination earlier. That yeah. is what this is that too. Is. It's like, ooh, yeah, I get to play today in the sandbox of blood. <laughs> and and once it's over, you're like, wow, just about five, ten hours of all that makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I know I had these uh on craving, they had this this blood on my hands, and uh, I won't give a give away where it came from, but I had blood on my hands and it was so sticky that I would like in between takes I would like push my hands together and like pull them apart and you know like back in the day when you would like do that with like glue on your hands <laughs> and they were just it was just like but then but of course by the end of the day I was covered in all of this um like lint 
and we had sawdust on the floor. I had all this stuff stuck to my hands because of, <laughs> of the blood. It was so silly. Hey, we like silly. Yeah, I'm a silly gal. So, uh, how did you get to be involved with uh, sketch bacon and even, I guess, appearance on Eric Andre of all shows? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric Andre, I just auditioned for. It was a very silly audition. Um, Sketch Bacon, though. uh, So I, and I was just talking to these guys about this. I had worked with somebody um, named Matthew Luddy on an AFI film. And Mm. he was like, uh, hey, you're really great. Like, uh, would you do this other thing that I'm doing? Like, okay, sure. So I show up at his house for this. It was like a radio scripted radio podcast i think um i'm not sure what happened to that particular project but anyway i met this other person when i was there and this yeah, other person is thing. named cody and cody you know wrote a lot of these sketches for sketch bacon and started them as well produced them with his other friend cody ivan and um chad um it, these four guys that just like want to make stuff they made so many things this last year in 2021 so much yeah they so they just did the spooky plus anthologies that i have a small role in yes Uh, and yeah uh, yeah, well i guess it's like it's like a supporting role it's not like a bit part but Mm -hmm. um they made that plus all the sketch bacon for this last episode and then they also have done Biff the Vampire Slayer on the last like year and a half. Like yeah. they are workhorses. Yeah, um, Tower 14 Media. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. They're great guys. And it's just from me randomly working with somebody and and just being a good person. Like, yeah, I'm down to to do stuff. I'm an, I I try to be super kind and collaborative. And I think that leads to other opportunities. That's very neat. Yeah. Is it true that with some of these, they try to kind of just surprise you because half the time you don't know what you're even doing in the sketch is like they're kind of you're not doing an extra work obviously but you're doing just kind of like they need someone in the scene and they just kind of play along not from sketch bacon necessarily i have had that happen on random other things um but thankfully for sketch bacon they they have a clear idea maybe they don't have a script but they're like okay we want to you know have you holding a fake baby and you keep getting angry and angry every time i talk about how small your baby is and it's just like a premise so in a way we go we improvise sure but like it's more of like here's the bit we're gonna play with this bit you know if it was super vague i don't know if i would be as I mean, I trust these guys now because i've worked with them for a a couple of years now but if it was like someone i didn't know and they were like we just want you to come over and and pet this dog and we'll it'll be hilarious and i'll be like well what exactly like what are we where's the funny here what's the bit right do you really want to go in this exactly (laughs) um i don't want to figure it out in the moment because that could turn into you know a lot of uh time and energy wasted on ideas that don't work um if it's a shoot day, let's have it be a shoot day. If it's an idea day, great. I'm down to always explore that. But if it's a shoot day, let's shoot. Let's get it on its feet. Very cool. And uh, have you had a pretty good agent, would you say? Yeah, I have a, a really great things. agent, a really great manager. Um, they're super supportive. They advocate for me too. You know, I think an actor is a really competitive business. There's literally yeah. thousands of us um for those who no i know like we're a hot commodity uh (laughs) if there's a a breakdown meaning like if someone's looking for an actor for a role and let's say it's like 25 to 35 um all ethnicities woman who could play a barista they the casting director will get literally seven to eight thousand submissions oh damn and that's just people who have reps. Those aren't even the people that are just like in Los Angeles looking for reps. And then of those seven to 8,000 submissions, they have to give appointments or, you know, ask for an audition from at the most a hundred. But even then it can be as little as 15 to 20. So 
I throw those numbers out there because it's good for people to realize like, oh, what are the, like getting an audition is like a massive win actually, because you stood out among 8,000 other actors. And also that sometimes you won't get the audition just because there's maybe someone who just fit the vision of the the story a little bit better. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. And, uh, would you say the audition process is slightly changing up a bit? Yeah, so pre-pandemic, um, auditions were not exclusively in person. We did have some self-tapes. Uh, but it, commercials were almost all in person, which means usually a lot of driving. And then some were, you know, theatrical auditions, which just means um, narrative, uh, were also in person. Um, right. Now with the pandemic, it's almost all self-tapes, even on the commercial side. The nice thing about that is they do see more people for each role. That's so good. like I said, they can ha- have 100 people now versus just like 15 to 20. Um, mm. They, uh, You get an opportunity because you're, you're in control of the environment. You can do the take a few times. You could kind of get into the groove a little bit. Um, that that has really changed the game because actors previously you wouldn't really have the opportunity to have a day job or um specific types of hobbies that might take you away from being available at all times for an audition you know <laughs> you and now that you can do no exactly which totally <laughs> happened a lot and and now like actors are able to work which is great so we can pay for our headshots which we can pay for casting sites you know, it costs money to put our, our reels up online. There's a lot of costs associated with it. Um, and then uh, uh, we're not freaking out going, how am I going to pay my rent to on top of all of this? <laughs> oh, man. So much to fathom. So much to <laughs> It's a lot. Yeah. But it's, you know, when you love it, it's just part of the gig, right? It is. Is It is. Uh, so um, any theaters that you recommend people try out for that are for like stage you mean yeah for stage local theater any other places that you worked at at one time or another and you're just like yeah yeah start um the sun assembly theater here in la is is uh, i think they actually just recently closed now that i say that they were a great theater company i really enjoyed their work Mm. and the pandemic was hard on a lot of theaters um Deaf West is a great theater company. They have uh, both deaf and and hearing actors um, Hmm. as part of their uh, uh, performers. It's beautiful work. Um, The Geffen, of course, you're going to see great work. You're going to see great work at the Amundsen. Um, But as far as like smaller theaters, if you ever see anything at like the Whitmore Lindley, which is like an indie theater house or the Victory Theater in Burbank, the Hudson, which is in on uh, Santa Monica and Hollywood, you'll find some good like 99 seat plays, like these smaller um, houses that allow for a more intimate stage experience. Um, and then uh, like I just started doing improv again. I had been out of the improv game for so long. And so I just started taking improv classes at the pack, which is a great, um, they were kind of like an indie improv. They've gotten more established over the last couple of years, they have a lot of really awesome work. There are really good performers there. Good. Uh, so if you're looking for good improv, you could totally try the pack. Um, UCB just recently opened up again. So right, I haven't so been, for those who don't know. yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen them since they've reopened, but um, I bet the work is still just as good. And then of course, groundlings. All right, guys, time to get busy. there's There's my, <laughs> my recommendations for everybody. And improv, I think, is a great place to start because it forces you out of your head and into your body and mm-hmm. into the, uh, it's a lot about collaboration from the get-go. Like, hey, let's figure out this problem together. Um, and sometimes acting in, in a in a school where it's about audition technique or scene study, it almost feels like it's all about just you and the work you're doing, which is true to a degree, but I like the improv <laughs> component of well, what's my other person doing? How can I <laughs> what support are they doing them? In the scene? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. And just uh, any upcoming projects that, you know, uh, 
besides uh, your upcoming project, which I mentioned at the start that you'd like to promote? Yes. I mean, I'll go ahead and plug Craving again. Um, Craving, I think, is supposed to come out by like March, uh, maybe a little even before that. I'm super looking forward to it. I have no idea. I haven't seen any of the rough cuts stuff with me yet. I've seen like super little bits. Um, what I have seen, it looks great. I cannot wait to see that so on the big screen. To know, I can't tell anyone. <laughs> exactly. So, so I'll just say uh, I really look forward to that. Um, I let's see all the things that haven't come out yet. So, I am in a feature called "This Sucks" that should be out next year. I play the most vapid Valley Girl you could ever imagine, and she's hilarious. <laughs> um, I'm in a short film called. Uh, stars above the clouds by written by kelsey daughtry she's also the lead actress in it uh mm -hmm. that's going to be coming out um probably in the spring i know they were finishing up their post um nice. i also have my vampire short that i will be traveling the country with next year so hopefully you guys come Maybe. and see it. it's called vexed and um there was one other thing Oh, and then Biff the Vampire Slayer is supposed to be coming to a streaming platform near, uh, yeah, near you soon. And once that's out, I will be sharing that on social media. That's oh, and then 16 Bits is premiering in LA. I don't know Excellent. if you've heard about that, but Aaron Mento directed that. Kevin Caliber is the lead actor in that. That's premiering December 8th in Los Angeles. Man, staying busy. And now, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying. Everyone is, but yeah. It's pretty wild how we've gone from YouTube and now, you know, Amazon stopped accepting indie films unless it's, you know, an actual company submitting it. Now people are putting their stuff on Tubi. Uh, uh, you know, everyone's desperate for content, but the management's changing all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Are there any other video sites that you recommend others kind of just submit, you know, their demos yeah. and um... acting rules to? If you're trying to be an actor specifically, mm -hmm. make sure you're on either backstage.com, Actors Access, Casting Networks. Those are, I would be mm. the three top yes. places. Okay. Um, filmmakers, um, if you have the ability to have like Film Hub represent your film, they'll get it on Amazon for you to be. I know Freebie, I've heard good things about Freebie. I haven't personally tried it. Um, but I know that that some people can get their stuff up on there. YouTube, uh, you know, self-distribute. Why not? If you can get eyeballs on it, that's great. If you're looking for horror stuff, Alter is a great horror resource. Alter on YouTube. Um, Shutter, obviously, they are looking for always looking for content too. Uh, in the end, I I would say just keep making your stuff. Keep getting more of your voice out there keep making more content challenge yourself to make it better every time so that uh, the quality goes up as you learn more as the filmmaker as you get more open with your storytelling and i guarantee the audience will come they will find you that's great and like you say you know it's like they are all just starving for content and if they like more of it if they like the hits they're going to just keep asking you guys back you know yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of horror conventions, which, you know, you can actually, you know, you can reserve to screen your horror or sci-fi movie there. Right. You, gotta, you know, apply before the deadline saying, okay, it's going to show in this hallway, one, two, three, optional yeah. Q&A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, and you can find some of your people that way too. Like people at a horror convention are wanting to watch horror. Like what a great opportunity to meet horror fans. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay and you know thanks a thousand for being on here because yeah know, thank you so much everyone. we want to help out the little person the big person yeah. the one who just this is their day job and i appreciate you uh uh being down to chat with anybody that you know you got inspired by or you're excited to, to chat with and um Absolutely. you know hopefully Everyone something wins. i said resonated yeah, with somebody someone, and uh hopefully someone listens to this and then sees your short yeah <laughs> and if you guys want to find me i'm on instagram as at rachel amanda bryant that's where i post there the majority go. of my stuff so <laughs> at rachel amanda bryant loud and clear guys Check <laughs> <it out. laughs> we'll return after these messages do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? 
Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always, am I the winner? Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.